Welcome to IB Sports Wrestling Podcast, Team Turnbuckle. Uh, myself and my co-host, Ronald Tinsley, are going to discuss all the happenings in the world of wrestling uh, before we get into the podcast where we're going to discuss Elimination Chamber, which was Sunday. Uh, we're going to get into Raw on Monday night, uh, a little bit of AEW uh, that actually happened tonight because we're getting this podcast done late. And then we're going to answer some questions from listeners. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, that is uh, my bookie. If you listen to our gambling podcast, The Backdoor Cover, Hopefully you are winning a lot of money with our golf picks. We have had four straight weeks where we've given the winner. So if you're not uh, listening to our advice and gambling on those, you should go to my bookie, hit the promo code IBSports. You'll get a bonus on your first deposit. We want to also say please support the brand. Uh, If you have not rated and reviewed this podcast feed, please do. Uh, And also please become an all-star member uh, or a patron of uh, the IB Sports. Uh, we provide so much contact. R.C. Carlton is trying to turn this into something huge, and we appreciate all the people that are involved in it. You are what makes IB Sports great. But I believe, Ron, are you, are you there, buddy? Oh, yeah. Keith, how you doing tonight, brother? Awesome. Man, I'm not too bad. I, I want to apologize again like I did on the gambling podcast last night. My, my birthday was this week. Uh, in typical Fleming fashion, I kind of lost my voice because we just love to yell when you get a lot of my family members together. It's not even like yelling at each other. We're just loud. Uh, and so my voice does not sound as good as it, it exactly as uh, good as it normally does. So I apologize. There'll probably be a few times where it cracks, which makes me sound like a 12 year old girl, which is wonderful. So, but uh, let's get right into this because I, I figured what we'll kind of run through. Uh, as we got, you know, the Elimination Chamber Sunday, we'll start there, then we'll move on to Raw, talk a little bit about AEW, and then we got some questions from our listeners uh, from a post she put in the Facebook group. But let's start with the Elimination Chamber, which I'm not going to lie. Overall, it was meh. Uh, there, there was some good matches and some interesting things. Uh, there was really four matches that I wanted to kind of highlight or go over. The first is Morrison and Miz retaining the tag team titles in the Elimination Chamber match. This is something both of us uh, discussed. We we love what they're doing with these guys. You got Morrison coming back. We, I think we both agree that Miz has been kind of underutilized, and he's a good person to have with the belts going into Mania. So so let's go this way. Do you think a that was the right decision, and b because Mania is right around the corner? Who do you think they should face? from the SmackDown side at Mania? Well, uh, that was, to me, at least one of the better matches of the night. Um, I totally agree with what, with what they did because, you know, like we had said, uh, pretty big on what they're doing right now. Um, I'm actually wondering if it's going to wind up being possibly just a triple threat, you know, just kind of toning down what happened at the Elimination Chamber. Quite honestly, we all know that uh, the Lucha House Party did not even belong there. They just needed (laughs) them to kind of fill a position. So, and, you know, it looks like, you know, they're going to, from what it seems like, uh, heavy machinery is going to be still working this Alexa angle. So thus the 
Ziegler and Root angle. So it would just leave the other actual exciting guys from that match to me. So probably like a triple threat with the uh, Usos in the New Day uh, for Mania. And, you know, uh, let's hopefully burn down the house, you know, put on a bit of a better performance than what we saw at, at, uh, at Elimination Chamber. I think that's great. That's, I mean, I I think it's the only way it can go because I think we can all agree that Usos and the New Day have to be on the card. You made the great point last week, and I actually was a little surprised they retained because I assumed going into this match with both the Usos and the New Day in it, one of them were going to end up winning, and it was going to prove your point that they weren't even going to get a W after winning the title as champs before they lost it. So I'm glad they did, and I would actually love, if you're going to do those three teams and you really want to tear the, the house down, do a triple threat ladder match or either a TLC match uh, because, I mean, it's going to be very entertaining. You can't leave the Usos and the New Day off the card, and this is kind of the issue that WWE has ran into as, honestly, they're, I guess as they made... NXT so big and with the two brands they're just they're almost too loaded and there's too many good you know talents that you can't leave off the card and that's the only way I could see them going is a triple threat because if you put in the Usos or you just put in the New Day with them what are you going to do with the other team unless the New Day is going to host WrestleMania like they did a few years ago yeah exactly and that uh what you said actually goes to your point from last week uh, in hoping that maybe WrestleMania moves into tonight because you're right. They're so loaded with talent and then you get a seven hour WrestleMania. It's like you've worn the people out with the ups and the downs and the such. I mean, even as for me as watching at pay-per-view at home and I'm usually watching it on a delay and fast forwarding through stuff. I'm worn out by the end of all that. So, you know, cutting it down just so that they can highlight all of the talent that they have would eventually make sense. But, you know, yeah, that's kind of a big, big problem that they have right now Too, you know, too top heavy. I completely agree. So the next match I just want to discuss is we had Aleister Black defeated AJ Styles. I think we kind of all saw this coming when it was Aleister Black, kind of the, I guess if you want to call it parallels with The Undertaker, but The Undertaker interfered, uh, ended up helping Black get the the win over Styles. Uh, I kind of wish that The Taker wouldn't have had to, like, interfered and he would have showed up after, you know, the match because Aleister Black is just – He's such an interesting character. He's such a great performer in the ring. I love his moveset. His finisher is just fantastic. It's beautiful. And to have the, you know, the Undertaker interference actually be the reason he beat Styles, I felt like he really needed to win that match clean. He didn't. Obviously, this is setting up for WrestleMania. What what did you think about this match? Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm disappointed in how it ended and totally would have preferred it to happen the, the way you said, because Aleister Black did put on, and, and to be fair, they did put on a pretty great match. And for it to just it a great end match. like that, for them to just end like that, 
just kind of felt stale and to the point of uh, what happened with Super Showdown, it's like we basically had two moves to set up uh, WrestleMania. That is until uh, we get to Monday night, but I can't wait until we get to talk about that Monday night. <laughs> and again, it gets back to not to, we, we don't want to become the bashing WWE podcast because, I mean, there's so many things that we love about it. But again, it's just like you have all this time to set up stuff for WrestleMania. And again, they just, they fast rush so many of these. And this is one of the few examples I understand. Like, Taker and Cena, I get they're they're very limited, and I'm sure their appearances. Well, actually, I guess Cena is. Taker's not limited. I mean, they just write him a check. I don't, I don't really know what he's doing, but they just, I mean, you think about all the matches that have just been basically rushed, and when you look at the other side at AEW, how they kind of build these storylines, it, it it speaks to a lot of the issues you're having right now in WWE compared to AEW. Yeah, for sure, you know, um, and, you know, I I do, you know, echoing your sentiment, don't want to constantly be doing things like that, but, you know, give us a little more story, give us a little more build-up. Uh, I'm not buying it off of just two moves, two appearances, and that's how we get ourselves a match, you know. Apparently, you know, it's obvious Taker is back and has time. Is there, uh, is he maybe not fully physically ready to do a little more interaction to build it up? I, I don't know, but, you know, yeah, can I, I just wish we could have handled that a little better, you know, going forward towards the, the granddaddy of them all. And not that, like, it's easy to book, but you take a guy like AJ Styles who has been, what's his moniker? The face that runs the place, right? That's what he's been using for the mm-hmm. last couple of years. How easy is it just to say that he goes for a month calling out Undertaker for Mania saying, I'm the face that runs this place now. You're Mr. WrestleMania. I want to beat you on the biggest stage because I am now the face that runs the place. And you just sort of build up that tension. Maybe let Undertaker play some head games with him that we've seen in the past with the gongs and, you know, the, the psych outs and mm-hmm. eventually signs. It's just something build up some tension rather than just, again, rushing it, especially when it felt like that I'm sure the, the Saudi prince or whoever's writing the check paid, a, you know, insisted on the Undertaker being there. And that was the only way that they could, you know, creative think to get him over there is let's go ahead and start, you know, this feud. So it's just kind of disappointing. I do want to move on to something that I got to give you credit and give myself some, you know, again, I want to give creative credit when, you know, they do something correctly. I asked what in the hell were they doing giving Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy the tag team titles because it didn't make any sense. You got another tag team in that stable that needs the titles. And you said that you thought maybe they were setting up for a street profits tag team title, uh, you know, win finally, and it was going to be great. And boy, you called it and WWE did the right thing because you don't want to give it to AOP and then have them immediately lose on the raw right after the Saudi show. 
That's what happened. The Street Profits gained the titles. That's a, a bigger win for them because they beat Seth Rollins. I mean, you could say Ann Murphy, but the big thing was they beat Seth Rollins, who was the tag team title. And then here they are again, retaining the titles at Elimination Chamber against them and what, again, was a good match. And I know you're big on these guys. I'm getting bigger on them each week. It was a really great performance by the Street Profits, and I'm very excited to see where they go moving forward as the tag champs. Yes, absolutely. You know, they're they're only going to get bigger and better. You know, it's, these guys are money on the mic, and as they, you know, are continued to just be given the liberty to just go with it, you know, their crowd interactions, you know, these guys are going to be money for a while. You know, I, I would hope that they would at least let their reign last, you know, to midsummer. Maybe can we get the – get them the SummerSlam, perhaps, um, unless we got another good, great storyline coming from somewhere else, uh, not being, you know, Seth and uh, Buddy Murphy, which, hey, I'm all for it as long as it's, as long as it's good action and, and good drama. Who do you think they're, gonna, they're leading to the Street Profits facing at Mania? Because I, I see Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens at Mania. It appears that's what they're going through with what happened on Monday night. Is that kind of still, like, where do you see the Street Profits going for their tag title match? Honestly, I'm not sure because, you know, it's not going to be AOP considering that it looks like that uh, they and the Viking Raiders will likely wind up getting it on. So um, it looks like that, you know, it'll likely be from someone else who uh, steps out and uh, says, hey, you know, we're next in line. I'll be interested to see where they go here because, again, this is a tag team that they've already got a catchphrase. They're great on the mic. They're good in the ring. They need to be really smart about who they set them up against. It would be really smart to get them against heels who are really over so that way, you know, they can really get that big pop at Mania if they end up retaining the titles. So let's move on to probably the biggest surprise of the night, Sami Zayn. Winning the Intercontinental title, I'm almost mm. positive this is his first title in WWE. Correct? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and which is kind of surprising. Now, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see his impact in NXT, but I see that you know uh, that he was definitely a, a heavyweight champion, and I mean the world champion. I'm sorry. See, I just dated myself with the way I just said that, (laughs) but that he was a world champion and you know, that he was a fantastic talent. So yeah, I'm pretty, did, did he have a tech? No. Yes. At at least his first singles title. Definitely. I'm not certain if he had had a tag title run somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I don't think he had, uh, and it, it's just, it's pretty amazing, but he won in a uh, handicap match. It was a really, again, I, I don't know where they're going with Strowman. I don't know if, if you watch SmackDown, but he basically agreed to this handicap match against Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. He kind of came off a little bit arrogant in that uh, you know, contract signing in the sense that, I mean, I know he's the face, I know he's confident, I know he's big, but, it, it, you know, even uh, 
I believe it was Corey Graves on the announcement team made the comment of the hubris of this guy thinking that he can beat these three guys all at <laughs> one time for the title. Uh, and again, it just, they've again taken away any momentum that Strowman has got, Bill. I, I will never understand what about Braun has not allowed them to let him take that next step. I mean, it's just crazy. He, you know, I, I remember people talking about Ryback being so over and they blew it. This guy is 20 times what Ryback was in the ring as a character. His, this is mere size and presence. And he can actually talk. And they just have stalled him so many times that, like, I just, I don't know if he will ever be a world champion. Which is so weird because you're right. It's absolutely strange. I believe it was what two years ago at that Saudi show. It's been and a like, while. We're, we should be we should be putting the strap on Braun like right now. And the fact that they didn't, and you know they made they kept him looking strong. Yes, that's right. He threw Brock through the cage, and it was just because he threw Brock through the cage. <laughs> Brock hit the ground. That's right. So. They kept Braun looking strong, so I thought that at least a world title run somewhere was in his future, and then they just kind of put him back on the bench, and, you know, here comes the push with the Intercontinental title run, so it's like, okay, and uh, during the time in between, it was like, okay, yeah, he got much better on the mic, he's great with the crowd, Interact a lot more interactive than I was expecting. So, what you said about Ryback absolutely blows him out of the water. So, what are they doing with this great talent? Is far beyond me. It, it's it's baffling, and I hope it's not too late for him because Braun is one of those guys that I was not crazy about when he first came out. He looked so weird when he was with the Wyatt family in the beginning, but I mean, you, you just look at the way for somebody that's that big, he has worked so hard at, you know, getting a character that people can getting by, get behind a move set, and he really is like underrated on the mic. I actually think he's great when he talks, and it just, it's shocking because, I mean, you would think this is like Vince's dream of a champion and they just won't push it. Maybe they just need to turn him heel and let him, you know, be the Brock Lesnar once Brock leaves. I, I don't know, but uh, it, it is baffling. I hope real quick before we get on to the, the last match we want to talk about for Sami Zayn, he, he so deserves this. I honestly always thought his first singles title run would be as El Generico. Uh, for those that don't know, when he was on the indie scene, he was this masked luchador. Uh, it was like an alter ego, and he was fantastic. And I really thought they were going this route uh, when Sammy, I think, got suspended with KO. Like, I thought for sure that's what they were setting up. They didn't go that way, but I am so happy for him. He is one of the best wrestlers, I mean, and one of the best guys on the mic there is that he has done as much for Nakamura as she possibly could. I almost wish they would have paired him with him when Nakamura first made his, you know, debut and, and was so, you know, red hot. But I hope they give Sammy a run with the IC title. 
and this is not a transition champion, but unfortunately, as we've seen lately, that's all the IC title has been. Do you think this is going to be a run where he gets a little bit of room with it, or do you think this is something that by Mania, at the latest, he's going to lose that title? I'm thinking that I'm hope. I'm, well, let me say I'm hoping that this is something that he can hold on through Mania. Because, you know, you're right. All of a sudden, it looked like we were trying to give uh, the Intercontinental a little of its prestige back. You know, Shinsuke was holding it down for quite a while. So, and now it's like, I hope that they actually don't have him drop it because now we're going to be juggling it again. And I don't want it to lose its luster, you know, to... uh, Full disclosure, the Intercontinental title has always been one of my favorite titles, even though I get the prestige of being the world champion in whatever federation you're um, competing in, the title that I've uh, gravitated towards. Maybe I like mid-title cards more because it's like that one and the TV title. But anyway, hopefully they allow the Intercontinental Champion, uh, Sami Zayn, to hold this a little consistently for right now. I, I do think that the IC title has always been the worker's belt. You know, it's it's changed a little bit in the new era of, you know, a lot of the smaller, better wrestlers have been world champs. But, I mean, you know, from the 80s to really the, the early 2000s, it was kind of always the guy that was, either just an exceptional worker, workhorse kind of guy, or the up-and-coming guy. I mean, that started obviously with like guys like Macho Man and Warrior and stuff that would go on to be a world champion. One more thing before we get to that last match. What do you think of the new design of the belt? I love it. Um, actually, yes, I also do love it. When I first saw it, I, I wasn't too sure. It took me uh, getting a good glimpse of it on TV to be like, yeah, I can dig the title, the title change. And I assumed that it was just because they needed to, um, it looks like what they're doing with all the upgrades so that you can hold uh, side plates for the current champion. And so, yeah. I think it's a little bit more old school too, don't you? It's like a little bit more plain and... It reminds me of the the good old green joint that I had loved. That was the one that I mm-hmm. had saw when I first started wrestling, uh, the one that Greg Valentine had lost to Chico Santana. Mm-hmm. It uh, also reminds me a little bit of the, the first world uh, unified title that Lesnar and uh, I believe JBL had it when they again separated the mm-hmm. titles. Uh, and even take her one, I think, in that time. It kind of reminds you of that, too. So let's get on to the last match of Elimination Chamber that, boy, it uh, caused a lot of controversy. Uh, Shayna Baszler just steamrolled through the Elimination Chamber match. She is now officially fighting Becky Lynch at Mania. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, other than the fact that, again, I don't think WWE is thinking long-term because, boy, have you kind of booked yourself in a corner because you got a champion in Becky Lynch who has already gone through the women's roster on Raw numerous times, right? Like, she's beat every one of them. So now you're going to have a new person come up who may be deservingly with her pedigree and what she did in NXT 
And if you look at what they did with Asuka at the beginning of her run. But now at Mania, you got basically two options. Either Becky Lynch wins again, and then not only now has she run through all the women in WWE, she beat the woman who also ran through all the top women on Raw. So, like, who is her next opponent at that point unless you're going to start bringing a lot more women up from NXT? Or you're going to give Shayna the belt right off the bat, and I don't know if that's too much too soon. I guess the one argument would be is if they're going to bring Ronda into this, which I'm starting to feel more and more confident they are, and maybe they're leading to a SummerSlam four horsemen woman versus, you know, their bunch, and it's not really so much about the title. It's just starting to build that feud. But again, it just to me seems like they've kind of booked themselves into a corner. I just don't know what it would have hurt to to let somebody else shine in that match, basically, other than her, because she just dominated. I, I was pretty shocked by that. Yeah, uh, totally. It, it kind of rem- she reminded me of like Darth Maul in uh, the Phantom Menace <laughs> after uh, he took that Qui Gon and he's just kind of pacing back and forth, looking at Obi Wan like, "Yeah, you're next," and yep. he basically did that with everyone. And yeah, I I, I don't understand if that's the way they want to go. Sure, Shayna's been in NXT quite a number of years, you know, maybe longer than some of the other people that they've brought up in previous years, but still, I I don't see that happening necessarily, but, you know, who knows? We've seen stranger stranger things happen, and it could make for uh, some interesting drama, especially if what uh, you said in the, uh, they're actually bringing Ron back. That that could make it quite interesting. So we'll move to Monday Night Raw. There, there's only a few things of real interest, so I'm going to kind of go through a few things, and then we'll kind of talk in detail about some of the things that I think we're going to want to talk about. Uh, we had Rhea and Charlotte have another confrontation. Rhea actually got physical with Charlotte. Uh, which was good. I'm liking the build to this. Uh, Actually, one of the questions we have from our listeners involves that match, so we'll get to that at the end. Uh, Becky obviously hyped and made the match official with Shayna at Mania. She hyped her up, which I kind of find interesting because I don't think she really needed to hype her up uh, after what had just happened at Elimination Chamber. (laughs) And then Drew just absolutely squashed Eric Rowan, which I guess we've seen signs of this, but it was kind of shocking that they spent all this time with Rowan and it just turned into a mess. And I mean, I'm I'm also getting more and more nervous that Drew is going to lose to Lesnar because they are making him look so strong uh, with, you know, his just, ass beating of Brock on Raw what was it two weeks ago and then now this it, it kind of feels like they're setting him up for a fall but the three things I really want to discuss is and this isn't something we're going to spend a lot of time on but what in the world did Ricochet do I don't know who he pissed off because I, that that was the first thing I saw when I, when I put Monday Night Raw and I'm like man when we talk about this 
this is one of the things we definitely have to highlight. Who the hell did he piss off to go from a world uh, a world championship match to a 24-7 title match and losing both? Like, who did he piss off? I think I saw he's going to be in a main event match, too, which, you know, only runs on the network. Uh, I mean, I, I just – something happened. I mean, I know we all like to say that we're in the know and, and we understand what's going on, but it, it looks now like the title match was a punishment. You know what I mean? Like he was a name enough mm. for them to throw him in to where he was just going to get squashed and they just, you know, I, I mean, I guess, you know, we were talking about maybe they were going to tear them down to build them back up. But you don't lose to the 24-7 champion who, honestly, I had never heard of until a few weeks ago. And, I mean, it just it's sad because it, it's looking like Ricochet is going to be a bust in WWE. And if that's the case, just release them and let them go to AEW and tear the house down with those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please, uh, do do everyone a favor. Man, the TV, <laughs> just from what they've been putting on recently, adding a guy like Ricochet, that would be totally amazing. So I know you wanted to talk about this. I'm going to let you go. What What did you think about the AJ Styles calling out and challenging The Undertaker? Now, I uh, didn't see it uh, as it happened, but I went back and, and watched it. And, wow, we're talking about AJ really going and crossing over that line, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Yep. And... I am liking the heat that it drew. I am hoping and praying that we're delivering uh, a really excellent match. And quite honestly, maybe he's right. Maybe maybe it's time that we can finally put the hatchet in the Undertaker once and for all. Besides, do, do we want to see the Undertaker come back to keep putting on lackluster matches. I mean, I believe we had discussed this before. When's it time for him to, like, really call it quits? I, I think you're leading to a retirement match. Uh, at least I hope that's what it's going to. I think AJ Styles is the maybe one guy other than Daniel Bryan on the roster that I'm very confident can still get a good match out of The Undertaker. I mean, I always tell people that Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles, in my opinion, are basically the exact same wrestler. And that's how highly I think of both of them, that they're so talented, they can get matches out of anybody. And there's been some great guys like Bret Hart, Macho Man Randy Savage was underrated about this. That can Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, that can just get good. But, I mean, AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels were on another level. And it is no coincidence that pretty much three or four of the best five Undertaker matches of all time were against Shawn Michaels. Uh, and I, I just I think AJ Styles can get something out of this. And, like, I am shocked. He called him Mark Calloway. Like, he called him by his street name. That has never happened, I don't believe, 
in WWE, like, actual television, pay-per-view, like, on a show. I mean, like, my mouth almost dropped to the floor when I heard that. He brought his wife up. I mean, this could get personal. It could get interesting. And it's a match that I was kind of poo-pooing when I first heard that this was kind of where they're going because I feel like that AJ Styles isn't a spring chicken either. And it's like he only has so many matches at WrestleMania at the level he's at now. And is Undertaker the best use of them? But if they're going to make it an actual interesting feud for the Undertaker and not what we've got the last, what, now four or five years, I'm all in for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with the way he's drawn the heat, and now, finally, we do have something a little invested into this. Because, as we were saying uh, at the beginning, it didn't really give us much buildup. And AJ completely just brought the house. And now, can hopefully get ourselves a really amazing WrestleMania moment. And I think they could have the kind of match that it could be a 10 to 12 minute match that would be great. Because we know that some of these matches are going to have to be short. I mean, there's only going to be a few mm-hmm. matches that are 20, 25 minutes or longer. I can guarantee you right now, if Kevin Owens fights Seth Rollins, that's going to be one of them. I think they're going to let the girls go a little bit more this year because you got Rhea versus Charlotte, potentially Becky Sasha, Becky uh, Shayna. Uh, I think they could do that, and that's also going to help Taker in his age and just basically his physical prowess. So uh, one more thing on Raw, and then there's a couple things on WWE News I want to get through real quick. The the best storyline in WWE right now, and at first I thought it was kind of ridiculous. I loved what they did at the Royal Rumble with Edge and Randy Orton. I thought that was brilliant booking. There's history. Randy's a great person for Edge to kind of get his feet back wet with. But, I mean, Randy Orton is another guy that I've kind of underrated, uh, I think, most of my fandom. I I, I just wasn't a big Orton or Cena fan. Uh, A lot of it is that that was kind of the gap when they first were really becoming – who they were, where I was not watching wrestling at all. I think because of that, I kind of discarded them a little bit. But he has, Randy Orton has been so incredible in this stretch because he's been given 15-minute promo after 15-minute promo after 15-minute promo where he's not really saying anything. He's not really doing anything. But with the mannerisms and the fact that he just really looks like somebody that is about to snap. And we know Randy is, you know, the snake, the the viper. Uh, It's just been incredible. I loved the segment with Beth Phoenix uh, the week before. I loved, I mean, like, that was some cold truth. Like, I I thought it was pretty amazing the way basically said, I'm trying to save Edge by getting him out of here because I don't want to see him get hurt. I thought that was brilliant. And I love this segment, to see Edge come back, you know, he gets into it with MVP. Uh, you know, Randy tries to, to sneak up on Edge, which we knew was coming. And then for Edge to give him an RKO was just, wow. I mean, like, I love this. I'm so looking forward to this match, arguably more than any other on the card, because they've been building it up. Are, are you excited about this Edge-Randy York match going into Mania? Oh, absolutely. 
this has definitely been one of the, the more well-built uh, matches, and I can see them maybe making this a, a no DQ, maybe a street fight mm-hmm. or something to that extent. And, yeah, they, they've been doing it great. Two guys who definitely know how to work with each other, so you know that they can probably put on a good 25 minutes and tell a fantastic story. So, yeah, really excited about that. I am, too. I, I just, again, I, I need to applaud. Randy Orton is in the Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning category of sports athletes that I've kind of always had it in for, and just through their greatness over time, I have learned to appreciate them. And, I mean, he's literally right. Kobe Bryant, actually, honestly, is in that category as well. Uh, it, it just it's amazing to see just somebody that's this good at it. And I, I love something that I believe is David Shoemaker that says it. it. It might be another guy that's constantly on his podcast. But you really can't tell how good a wrestler looks until you see them stand next to Randy Orton because he's a giant man. Like, he really is. That is one of the mm-hmm. biggest dudes in WWE. And, you know, he's so quick, and the way he does the RKO, you don't really notice it until you see him standing next to all these other guys. And, I mean, he makes them look like children or teenagers, at, you know, at the best because he is just a physical specimen and I just I think it's going to be a great match him and Edge know how to tell a story and I I really do think that that's going to be the match that the crowd's most invested in because they love both of those guys Uh, real quickly before we get into AEW and then I've got some questions I want to run through too Uh, some news that came out this week surprisingly because you know and we'll talk about Matt Hardy in just a second Uh, With Matt Hardy, it looks like going to AEW. Jeff Hardy is coming back to WWE, and so is Paige. Which of these two are you more excited to see on SmackDown on Friday? Quite honestly, Paige. Um, I I, I underestimated her when she kind of first broke on because I was still in my, uh, you know, watch every – few weeks kind of thing, kind of peek in, but not really following the stories. But Paige turned out to be a pretty phenomenal wrestler and unfortunately just got sidelined by uh, uh, Bacha Banks, as uh, they used to call her. Um, I'm glad she's gotten a little better in the ring. But um, so I'm more excited to see Paige. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, Jeff's doing okay you know i know that he had had a little bit of a problem with his demons uh kind of recently in the last year or so and i'm hoping that he comes back and is still looking great but i'm more excited to see Paige. i'm with you uh i'm really interested to see if she's actually gonna wrestle uh because i know that she has had several interviews lately where she flat out admitted that daniel bryan uh, you know, gave her the hope and, you know, faith, whatever you want to call it, that she would eventually, if she continued to work hard, get the okay from, you know, doctors and stuff to, to get back in the ring. This is about the exact same time they did the Daniel Bryan storyline. I guess it was just a year ago, right? No, two years ago, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it would be pretty cool if they're kind of setting that up again. I don't know if they are or not, but I'm also with you that Paige is 
a very underrated talker. I don't really know what happened. I love that that she introduced the Kabuki Warriors, and then I never really got clarification for why they turned on her, and then she was off TV for uh, all that time. But I I actually like that pairing, and I'm just interested to see what they're doing. Uh, You know, Hardy is Hardy. Uh, I just never thought we'd get to the point where I'm more interested to see what Matt Hardy is going to do moving forward than I am Jeff Hardy. And I guess with that, we'll move into AEW. We'll kind of fly through these. There wasn't a lot that's happened since, uh, you know, the pay-per-view that we, we, we just gushed about on the last podcast. But one of the things is, is Matt Hardy, you know, it, it looks like he's coming to AEW. They've already got a storyline set up for him. Do you think that's a done deal? I hope it's a done deal. Um, I'm hoping that uh, a new place, new life, you know, he will be around some some dudes that he's familiar with, and it will uh, revitalize his career. Because, you know, Matt, even for uh, maybe his lack of um, in-ring work now, can still be a great character to – just be kind of an interloper, even if he's only a part-time wrestler. It just kind of doing his thing, you know, like we had said, possibly, you know, uh, going against the Dark Order or, you know, having, you, you know that there's so many angles that they can go in there and just kind of having a messing with people. And Matt can go in there and hopefully um, being uh, unshackled can have fun and, and put on some really good uh, stories. He's one of the most creative guys in wrestling at this point in his career. I mean, he made TNA relative, you know, like relative. That's all you need to know about him in the last five, six years. Mm -hmm. And I loved what he said that he's reaching an age that he knows that he's not going to be able to perform in the ring, you know, at a high level for very much longer. He already will admit that he's not at the level that he was. So he only has so many matches storylines left and i think it's going to be really cool that uh you know it looks like that's where he's going they're definitely going to give him the freedom and i i just think it, it that they'll make good use out of it so uh the the other big storyline is you know they got another big event in two weeks blood and guts I, i'm assuming I, I haven't completely seen exactly what it is i know they're doing a five on five match at the, I believe the pay-per-view is called Blood and Guts. It's going to be the inner circle versus the elite. Uh, tonight they had uh, Cody uh, in the opening match and then kind of a, uh, a uh, brouhaha at the end of the match where uh, I think it was Matt Jackson got beat up in the back by uh, the former Le Champion and uh, some of his goons, it was actually kind of gruesome. I don't know if you saw it. They had, uh, you know, Jericho do this interview, and then he said, you might want to check on your boy. They showed down, and they had one of those rolling doors, like, on his face. And I'm assuming it was fake mm-hmm. blood, but it was just gushing out of the side of his mouth. It was actually pretty gruesome looking. But it looks like they're setting all to this pay-per-view later in the night. And, and this, again, just shows how... AEW is so good about building stuff. We know how Hangman and uh, 
Kenny Omega are the tag team champs, but they've been building to this split. Omega was physically unable to compete. He was, though, able to run in for that earlier segment where Cody was getting jumped and, you know, try to make the save, but yet he wasn't able to compete later. Uh, so Dustin Rose was actually Hangman's a, or a partner as they took on Sammy and Jericho. They won that match. But, again, I just love how they're slowly setting the stage. You know, it's a slow burn for these two guys to break up. And there's just so much continuity, consistency, whatever you want to call it, in their storylines. Absolutely. And I am uh, actually just this morning found out that I will be in attendance for Blood and, for Blood and Guts uh, March 25th in Newark. So I am super excited to be seeing AEW Live. Oh, yes, I'm going to have a blast. And seeing what they're building up with this card, it appears that it's kind of like uh, AEW's take on war games. I'm not exactly uh, like you. I'm not certain for sure what the rules are going to be just yet. But, yeah, the story that they're building, uh, I haven't completely got to catch all of Dynamite tonight. And, yeah, actually, that's just going to be on a Dynamite show. That's actually not even going to be a pay-per-view. Oh, it is a Dynamite. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was a pay-per-view or not because they're building it like a pay-per-view on TV. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and this is what they're giving away on their weekly show. Just, again, showing that just continuing to give uh, us, the fans, exactly what we, we want. Uh, they're, they're, they've got flowing stories of that, that we can gravitate to. Um, I'm, I'm completely all in with these guys, and it's what I put on. And this is no slight to NXT because NXT is still quite exciting. I actually can't wait to put that on tomorrow. But um, AEW is usually where I spend my time if I get to watch it on Wednesday night. So I want to finish the podcast. We put it out. This is something we're going to do each time we get together because I, I think it's good for the, uh, you know, the group because the whole reason this podcast is called Team Turnbuckle is in the IB Sports Group. That is what we call the, the wrestling degenerates that we are is Team Turnbuckle. We ask them to ask some questions. Uh, these are the, the ones I have. The first two are from Rehung Khan. The first one, and I'll let you go first. Does Braun get an actual Mania match this year? I don't know, because um, now I really don't see the point of even if you do put him in there with Sammy, and heck, even if he does recapture the IC title, it, it makes you question, why did you bother taking it off of him in the first place? So, uh, honestly, I honestly don't think going to, which is a darn shame. The only way I could see him getting a actual Mania match is if Tyson Fury would have either lost his uh, world title match and he wanted a big check and decided to wait for his rematch, or if uh, they delayed the uh, third installment. Of, of the latest trilogy, but with him definitely not being in the cards, uh, the answer is no. It's ridiculous. He probably will end up winning the Andre Memorial Battle Royal 
or some bullshit like that. And it's just a shame because they're just absolutely wasting him. Uh, his other question is, what do you think the outcome is for Charlotte versus Rhea? I honestly think that this is um, they're just doing a little more um, pushing NXT and, and the NXT product. I think her and Charlotte put on a barn burner of a show, but um, Rhea still walks out as the champ. I don't know if it's necessarily by a clean win or if it's by DQ, but I think that uh, Rhea Ripley has to hold on to the title right now. Uh, I... I hope you're correct. Actually, excuse me. I know you're correct. I don't think Charlotte's going to win the belt. I am worried, though, we're going to get some kind of, you know, dusty finish where whether it be a disqualification, a run-in, you know, some kind of shenanigans where uh, it's going to be a screwy finish. I hope not. I hope they put Rhea over. They need a woman star because I love the Four Horsewoman, but... If Ronda is not coming back, they need another powerhouse because they've kind of botched Asuka, who should have been that next big women's <laughs> single star in WWE. And they just need it because it's going to eventually get stale and you're going to turn the Beckys and Charlottes and stuff into John Cena and the Roman Reigns. And it's no fault to the girls. It's just that when you're consistently pushed, people get, you know, they get tired of you and you get stale. So. I hope that's not true. Uh, this question, actually, I'm going to leave that one to last because it, it's going to probably take a few minutes to answer. I love this question. This is from Jason Gilmartin. If you could take any two workers, you can throw out their gimmick, person, uh, persona, whatever, and just let them work a 25-minute match and let them tell the story with their wrestling, who would it be? There were so many people that – like I feel like I had just uh, was in one of those uh, versus fighting games and just you know, <laughs> kind of hit random on either side because there's so many matchups, especially if, once you go cross brand between AEW because you know I believe we had talked in our last one about imagining like a a Kenny Omega and like a Seth Rollins type match. And there's all kinds of ones like that. Um, if you know when we spoke about uh, Cody coming back and, you know, just him and Triple H right now, even though, you know, actually Hunter keeps himself in relatively ready to go shape. So they could probably put on one heck of a match. I mean, there, we, there's probably 15 people on either side of, of better of federations that I can choose. Interesting. Interested to hear what yours are though. If if you're talking about with the guys in wrestling right now, it would probably be AJ Styles and Kenny Omega. Uh, I think they're the best two wrestlers uh, in the world. Uh, I think uh, I'm learning very quickly because as I've you know watched Kenny in AEW, even though they haven't really highlighted him yet the way I thought they would. It's made me watch his old matches on YouTube, and he can, I mean, it's amazing. I cannot wait till they let him get in.
don't quite seem to know what happened here, guys. I do apologize. Uh, well, we were still there, buddy. Ah, yeah, there we are. Sorry, I have no idea what happened, but we got dropped. Love doing a live podcast. Uh, I don't know where I got lost because uh, I was in the middle of rambling, which I do at time. But uh, if I didn't get to finish it, it would definitely be Kenny Omega versus AJ Styles for the current guys and Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels uh, for the all-time dudes. Um, the the one other question, because I did set this podcast for an hour, so I only got six minutes left, and I'm afraid this is going to take some time to answer uh, Jason Gilmartin wanted to know, or excuse me, Cardin Harold wanted to know, why does WWE bury talent? I answered him because I don't have a, a, an eloquent answer for it. There's no logic <laughs> to it. Do you think? And, and let's let's attack it this way because I really do wonder. I believe the issue now, and part of why wrestling was so much better back in the day is the fact that you have, uh, I guess the, the old saying, uh, and I hope this is not inappropriate or PC unfriendly, but you got, uh, you know, too many chiefs and not enough Indians where back in the day, it was basically Vince McMahon, you know what I mean? And he was making the calls. And I believe now that they have such big writing crews, which they, they used to not have, they have people, you know, working on the promos and I just think that you got so many people tugging and pulling in different directions that there isn't that clear leadership and person that is making the final call on everything. And that's why you have such wishy-washy booking. That's why you have storylines that get started and they never get finished. And there's just not a lot of, you know, continuation or consistency in storylines. No, you're you're absolutely right because that's one of the things that seems to get lost, and it's like maybe that is it that there's you know a bunch of great ideas uh, put up on the uh, on the big board, and they just haven't learned how to properly tie those uh, stories together because you've got too many great talents, and but now you also have. Uh, corporations and sponsors that you have to answer to and things of that nature. So maybe, like you, maybe like you said, just too many hands uh, on the steering wheel. And I, and I, I do think that, and uh, just this needs to be said again, there is more talent now in WWE than ever by such a long shot. It's not even funny. I mean, I think you can argue there's more close. talent now in WWE than there was during the Monday Night Wars, if you include WCW and WWE. There's so many talented people. I just think a lot of the issue is they're too micromanaging on characters. They don't allow people to kind of the freedom to build their character. It's too scripted. And, again, they they don't seem to know that booking is so important. I mean, if you've ever seen a Dusty Rhodes special on the WWE Network or anybody talk about them, he talks all the time, booking is important. It's why there's guys like Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes or even Hulk Hogan, who was not the greatest wrestler in the world, but he was booked to be the man for a decade, and that's why he's Hulk freaking Hogan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. 
the uh, and and we we got a little bit of time left, so I do want to also just kind of go over this. We've we've got a, a few weeks going into Mania. Uh, I believe it's four. Uh, so we're thinking about doing a couple of creative podcasts. I know that me and you had discussed briefly. I have a a, a buddy Sean who is also a, a huge wrestling fan who actually has gotten back into it after a long time of kind of being out of it. Uh, but me and him were were watching like renting WrestleMania for, uh, you know pay per views from Blockbuster uh, when we were like middle school and high school. So you know we were that cool back nice. then. But I definitely want to do some WrestleMania. Uh, we're gonna do a WrestleMania preview podcast. We're going to definitely do a WrestleMania post-podcast, but I'd really like to do a WrestleMania, and I didn't know if we were going to rank them or favorite, but I think what we'll do is kind of a superlative one where we rank our favorite matches, uh, you know, best moments, et cetera, where we know, you know, just really discuss what are some of our favorite moments from WrestleMania, what are the biggest missed opportunities, favorite matches, et cetera, and we'll probably try to record that in the next, you know, seven to ten days. Would you be on board with that, my man? Yeah, yeah, I could touch in on that. Um, my my uh, history may be a little uh, less limited than you guys, but, you know, I can do a little uh, homework and uh, go down memory lane a little bit. Um, me, I know I'll talk you. Oh, did I lose you? I'm not sure if I lost Ron L there, but uh, we are actually running out of time because I left this for a 60-minute podcast. But we do appreciate you listening. We will be back uh, sometime in the next week or so. Uh, we will be, you know, doing a WrestleMania moments pay-per-view where we will discuss uh, some of our favorite matches, moments, and stuff from WrestleMania. We obviously will touch on the build to WrestleMania. Uh, anything going on in AEW, obviously, Ron Ellis, he's going to the AEW show in two weeks. We're going to definitely do a podcast after that because he's going to be live there. But we appreciate you listening. This has been another edition of Team Turnbuckle, IB Sports Wrestling Podcast, and we will see you guys soon. Thanks, everybody.